Players gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful in the history of Magic the Gathering. Delver of Secrets, Brainstorm, Force of Will, and many other blue cards. Battling head-to-head -head in brutal combat, they all have one thing in common. To uphold their legacy and the search for eternal glory. This episode of the Eternal Glory Podcast is sponsored by Tales of Adventure and brought to you by the minds behind Bashanral on YouTube, Thraven University, and theepicstorm.com. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Eternal Glory podcast, Hidetsugu's Second Ride. We've already recorded 30 minutes of introductions and banter for the week, available in our Patreon-exclusive pre-show. Check out patreon.com slash eternalglory to gain access if that's interesting to you. Shoutouts to Henrik Korkutz for donating directly to the podcast. If you don't care about Patreon perks but still want to support us, we are still taking donations straight into the coffers. New patrons. Patreon's been live for about five days now, and we got Rob Dennis, Rick Venutolo, Disco Breaker, Patrick Postal, Nick Rainey, Mark Restagno, Matthew Hackbert, Jeremy Gates, Alex Cavalier, Bill Schlichting, Jason Harris, Christoph, Rob BL, Ron Schiller, and Scott Vance. All new patrons for the week. Thank you for your quick support of our new endeavor. Yeah, this is uh, very exciting. Um, so from now on in the normal episodes, we're just going to be delving directly into the content. And we have two primary topics tonight. First, we want to talk about Hidetsugo Consumes All and the return of Grixis to Legacy. And then we're going to talk about some ban and unban thoughts as we got a pretty unexpected shakeup to a couple of formats yesterday. For sure. All right, jumping right on in here. Um, I'm going to read Hidetsugu Consumes All because I'm not going to assume that many of you know what this is because this was this was a sleeper card. So uh, this is an enchantment saga for black, red, and one colorless. Uh, its first ability is destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. Its second saga ability is exile all graveyards. Its third ability is to exile this saga and then return it to the battlefield transformed under your control, at which point it becomes Vessel of the All-Consuming, an enchantment creature Ogre Shaman. It's a 3-3 with trample. Whenever it deals damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And the flavor text is, Whenever it deals damage to a player, if it has dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. I thought that was called trinket text. We, we got into an argument about this like two weeks ago, Phil. Oh, I, I ignored that portion. <laughs> Maybe that was a different conversation I was thinking of. Who knows? Yeah, I have no memory of that happening. Uh, yeah, this was in the uh, dream version of the Eternal podcast in like the Feywild or some shit like that. Do you two not dream about the podcast? Am I alone here? I'm sleeping right now. <laughs> All right, Brian, I know you uh, You posted some video that was like, Grixis is back, baby. Hidetsugu consumes all. And I know you were really excited about this card. And I think everyone else has kind of gotten the memo. So I'm going to just kind of throw the ball to you first. Kind of what are you thinking with this card? What are some of the implications? Yeah, 
This is a card that was not on my radar at all. We did an entire set preview episode where we didn't even talk about this thing. I did a little backpedaling. Once Once I saw this card in action, I sort of poked around to some of the other legacy podcasts, some of the other legacy writers, and I did not see this card on lists. I don't think anyone really, I mean, sure, I'm sure someone had eyes on this thing and realized it was good, but like my Twitter feed did not recognize it in all the heat coming off of this set for Legacy and Popper. And when I saw an opponent cast it against me, I was like, oh, this is a wild one. Here we are in the, in Spice Town, new set, people doing crazy junk. But no, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. You know what Grixis has historically struggled with doing? Picking up a two for one. Grixis is phenomenal with the Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Lightning Bolt, Red blast etc etc and then it's like him to Tarak is a two for one and then you get into clunkers like Kolagon's command and then the planeswalkers at the top end like that's sort of the grixis roadmap baleful strix maybe yeah baleful strix uh, like all this like kind of low impact incidental stuff and like a lot of it's conditional like you can't bolt everything you can't fail to push everything strict strix can't block everything and problems with the metagame for grixis like where has grixis been for for two years cowering behind uro's fucking shadow right the answer is in uro's little pocket it, it, it's just like there was not a defensible main deck way to blow up graveyards grixis control decks for a while tried like to cling to dust in the main deck just as something that can cycle in non-uro matchups and remove uro when it needs to but uro still got like the front half and then you had still had, had to have the cling at the right time for the second half and if your opponent just waits because grixis can't apply pressure then they on seven mana they just front half and back half it and play around your cling it, if you ever him to tarak and hit an uro you just shortcutted them uh, they don't even have to do the front half and they you put an extra card in there for escape like it was just bad uro just put grixis control in the dirt and that was way before modern horizons 2 even came out and then Modern Horizon 2 brought Urza Saga. Grixis Control can't beat that card. Good luck. That's a, a three for one and beyond if they get like Retrofitter Foundry or something that can keep making permanence. And Ragavan, which is banned now, but was a problem. Dragon's Rage Channel are still around. Murktide Regent, big old booty on that one. How are you going to deal with that? With your all your conditional removals. You can't bolt it. You can't fatal push it. They can bolt your Baleful Strix when they're ready to crunch for eight. Like there's just so many questions that Grixis Control could not answer for a long time. And... Hitetsugu consumes all. The destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. That's Pernicious Deed for one. People are playing Pernicious Deed to answer Urza Saga already. So Urza Saga, checkbox. You can sweep out any, any number of tokens that come out of it, whatever they get out of it. If it's a retrofit or foundry, you can sweep it up three turns later and still get every piece of value out of that. Decks like Elves, historically a problem. Just sweep those up. Death and Taxes, clear out the Aether Vial and the Mother of Runes. All of these things, sweep them up, get them out. I'd like to make a quick note. It is non-land permanent. Grixis traditionally struggles with enchantments. My board plan for years against Grixis has been Resolve Carpet of Flowers, and now for the rest of the game, I have a recurring Dark Ritual. That just changed. Yes, uh, and against lands, exploration, uh, get it out. All of these things that have historically been difficult to answer just get mopped right up and put them directly in the graveyard please and once they're in the graveyard next turn exile all graveyards that checks uro that checks or delays murktide region this card is a one card plan for lands it's sweep up the mox diamond sweep up the explorations bomb the graveyard so loam can't get rolling like lands was a horrific matchup for grixis for a long time and that's gone this checks so many boxes in one card 
And none of the individual things that this card does are particularly format breaking. And let's be clear, this card does not break the format. Grixis is not broken. Grixis is just playable again. I want to I want to stress that. Uh, don't go out and you know, think that Grixis is unbeatable or that we're calling for anything here. But it's it's one of those things that it does. Is Pernicious Deed for one good enough to bring Pixis, Grixis back on the map? Probably not, because Zero's still a problem. Is Exile all graveyards? I, I tweeted that this card was good and worth looking into, and some of the uh, less enlightened people in my Twitter replies were like, LOL, Tormod's Crypt for three mana to spend one is how you beat Uro, which, yes, actually, uh, when it's attached to kill all your other shit, and then Uro, you can kill it the first time. Grixis is really good at killing things once and just wait until your consume is on exile mode and then crack a fetch land, fatal push the arrow, it's gone forever. You might have to do a little work, but you're going to lose to this card on your own, on its own, just straight up. So the thing that I want to mention is that like we have not talked about the fact that there's a fucking creature stapled to the back of this card yet. Yeah, haven't even gotten there yet. I have been on the wrong side of the front of this card and let me tell you, it was not pleasant. I went from saying... I can't see any way that I can possibly lose this game to being dead to this card in three turns. I, I think I was playing a storm deck. I had a, like a bunch of goblin tokens in play. I had a bunch of artifact mana. I was going to be able to go off again. They played this, killed my tokens, killed all my mana, and I was left with nothing. Then it nuked my graveyards, so I couldn't like use that as a resource for things like Rite of Flames being larger. And then it turned into a creature that attacked me like four times and I died. The creature on the back of it, you joked that the uh, like if it deals 10 is flavor text. I've seen people go as far as saying the creature on the back is flavor text. When I tweeted that this card was good, Matt Sperling replied he was like i just bought a set and i haven't even looked at the back yet and all of that is fair and true but like i was saying pernicious deed for x equals one tormod's crypt suspend one neither of those are good enough on their own together they're a package and then the fact that it drops a threat on the back end is so and it's like kind of free uh it it's like I wanted these two effects anyway. Pernicious Deed has come in and out of playability and popularity over the years, and it never makes a creature, not even a mediocre creature. Like this thing, it makes your opponent leave in creature removal against a deck that historically, if you could keep Planeswalkers off the board, you were fine. Red Blast historically has answered most of the threats out of Grixis, and this is a Rakdos card. Red Blast can't touch it, and it costs three. The backside of Transform cards costs whatever the front side does now. Uh, back in the day, back ends costed zero, but they just match the, the mana value of the front. So this is a three drop. Prismatic Ending needs to go up to three to get it. Leaving in Swords to Plowshares against Grixis Control is really embarrassing. It, this does just put your opponent in a really tough position there there's so much heat coming off this one card and it's really hard to interact with can we rewind a little bit to 2018 think of jonathan rossum winning star city games baltimore the coverage I, I watched all 15 rounds of that tournament the coverage was always like do you know how long it takes to win with grixis control because you have to attack with two baleful strix or a snapcaster and a baleful strix until your opponent was dead if you got super lucky you could ultimate liliana and start making two two zombies but that was it those were the win cons i'm not just saying this as a joke but hill giant here kind of interesting like even as a three three that wins the game faster than double Baleful Strix. And I know that's, you know, not saying a whole lot, but when you pair a 3-3 with a Snapcaster Mage, that could be a three-turn clock. That's not too bad. Like, that's something. The the leftover, the flavor text on hit, 
Hidetsuga consumes all, the creature it leaves behind is already a better clock than three Baleful Strixes. This creature has Trample, and whenever it deals damage, full stop. It's not to a player, it's not even combat damage. It gets bigger. You can't just park a Mother of Runes in front of this and, like, block give protection. Like, good luck where that Mother of Runes has come from anyway after getting swept up through the, the front half of the card. But, like, you can't just park, you can't just run, like, a Recruiter of the Guard into Recruiter of the Guard into, you know, like, chump block as I build. Like, this thing's going to get bigger, it's going to trample, it's, it's pushing for real damage. This is serious material on the board. And one thing that I was going to talk about later, but we're already kind of into it, is the ability to win the game out of a Grixis deck. And top decks are just so good these days that there's enough cards that can just win a game that you do actually have to close the game. That 2018 style two Baleful Strix is getting in for 20. It just doesn't really exist anymore. A card like Urza Saga can win a game on its own. card like Merktide Regent can win a game on its own. Uro, if you give them enough time to rebuild, even after bombing their graveyard, uh, that will win a game on its own. There are individual cards that win games. And leaving this 3-3 behind that's then a 4-4, then a 5-5, puts them under the gun to figure it out quick. It's something the deck never had. Brian, I have a question for you. As the control expert on the cast, I'm sorry, Phil, no disrespect. Uh, This card says exile all graveyards, not opponents' graveyards. How often does that line of text matter to you as the Snapcaster Mage Kalgan's command deck? How often does it hurt yourself? I have two answers to that. The first one is when I first paired into this deck, I had this card played against me before I learned that I should be playing it and trying it myself. And I was on Bant Control with Endurances, and I just decked my opponent. Just Uro gained enough life. I Endurance had a, a timely tuck of Endurance, and my opponent just ran out of cards before they could actually kill me. Not being able to use your graveyard as a resource does hurt in that regard. So, like, I've gotten very accustomed to Endurance in my control decks being a anti-decking tool in grindy matchups, and this one is seriously just committing to, I don't even have Colagon's Command. Like, the cards that come into my hand are the ones I'm going to win with, let's go. So there is that angle of the deck that you have to consider. The other half, where the Snapcaster Colagon's Command business, trick question, because we're not playing those cards anymore. They don't work if you're a consume deck. You could try to thread the needle, I suppose, where uh, it's like, you know, if I need to consume, I consume, and then I'll cast more spells and turn Snapcaster back on. But in the 2018 Grixis Control deck, Snapcaster Mage was Demonic Tutor somewhere around turn six. Just it's just every card in your deck is available to you at this point. And if you consume at any point along the way, that's just not true. And you can't afford to draw Ambush Viper in Grixis Control. It needs to bang every time you draw it. The solution that I have seen adopted for this is Hull Breacher Days Undoing, where we don't need a graveyard. We're going to clear the board. We're going to make you respect this 3-3 that's growing. And by the way, I'm playing Narset, I'm playing Hall Breacher, and I have two days on doings in my deck as a treat. There are enough angles with just like good cards that are worth playing on their own in Hall Breacher and Narset that putting two days on doing this deck as a real game ending spell, Grix has never had that before either. So to play devil's advocate for a second, I don't have strong opinions on this, but I've seen this talked about on the internet. One of the constructive criticisms against Bank Control is that it's a deck that's curve is very high. It has somewhere between 10 and 12 three drops. It sounds like the Grixis Control 
deck is now adopting something similar. Do you think that's risky without the threat of sorts to plowshares and prismatic ending slowing the opponents down? This may be shocking to people who started playing Legacy in the last year and a half, but black and red used to be the removal colors <laughs> pre-prismatic ending. It, 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 like white always had plow, but then it was like after that, I'd rather just have lightning bolt or whatever. Uh, but the way that the Grixis decks are constructed, at least the early conceptual ones, I'm sure innovation will come and we'll see different branches. But the, the version that I played on my channel was straight up like three fatal push, three lightning bolt, three sudden edict. Like it is murdering everything up the curve and then mopping up with consume and shutting the door with hull breacher. Like it, it's not like a, one of those like shitty Jeskai decks that's just like no act, just like cantrips on, on one a complete dearth at two and then every planeswalker at three they're kind of constructed better than that but yeah like grixis being a removal color is really helpful at helping you get up to that that three drop zone all right so i want to talk about this from the perspective that i often do which is from the perspective of someone playing ancient tomb decks chalice of the void decks let me tell you this is some bullshit folks i have never felt so crushed by one card out outside of like meltdown type cards ever because this is phil this is a meltdown card yeah this takes your chalices off the board this takes your early game plays off the board. Your bobbles are gone. Your Urza Saga construct tokens are gone. Your Psy Thopters are gone. Your graveyard is gone, so Emery can't bring your stuff back afterwards. This is a brutal card against the Chalice decks. And is there any reason why those might be seeing a resurgence right now? Why, yes, there is, because Kappa Cannoneer is the talk of the town. If you can get a hold of them on Magic Online, you're probably playing them right now. Unfortunately, even after Magic Online did double their drop rate, they're still like 90 ticks or above and out of stock everywhere. So they're they're trending downwards, but not uh not quickly. Yeah, cleaning up hate permanence like Chalice is a huge deal. Because Chalice, historically for Grixis, was like, countered on the way down. Hope you're still alive when Kolagon's command gets online. There may have been, like, some small window where people are trying Brazen Borrower, but that's not a good answer in Grixis decks, because Grixis wants to hard answer things, not bounce them, because they have no pressure. Like, that thing's coming back. Clearing out that kind of mess, like Chalice is, is such a huge deal. And <laughs> any number of Rabble Master tokens. Yeah. And <laughs> in the these matchups, like... You're potentially losing some sort of like Chrome Mox or Mox Diamond card that you use to accelerate stuff out as well. And guess what? What are you probably not playing a lot of if you're playing a Chalice deck? Removal. So your opponent wipes out your 4-4 four, four or larger tokens, is left with a 3-3 three, three, that becomes a 4-4 four, four, that becomes a 5-5. Five, five. In the context of those matchups where, like, there is a removal deficit, like, this is a real threat. And they use a couple of forces or discard spells or removal spells to kind of keep you off balance for the rest of the game. And they will ride this one card to victory. Wipe your board, make sure it doesn't come back, kill you with it. This song, this card is so good in those matchups. Yeah, and I, I would also like to point out that even though this is a mythic rare gold card that's named after a legendary creature, Vessel of the All-Consuming is not legendary. So you can flip multiple consumes in a game and be crunching with multiple grizzly bears or uh, hill giants and beyond. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know that part, and I'm disgusted. Yeah, I... I 
I just assumed it was legendary until about three days ago, and I've been hyped about the card for about two weeks already. So yeah, I thought it was good when I thought the back end was legendary, but it's just not. It doesn't make any sense. One should consume the other if they're all consuming. This is just a flavor fail. Also, now that I'm talking, I am for anything that makes Phil's decks worse. Just throwing that out there. Get out of here, Chalice of the Void. May you lose many Mox Opals against Grixis Control. <laughs> so everyone was really excited about this card on Twitter after your initial post people were like yeah and i ran into this card a few times while playing leagues i don't play that many legacy leagues but uh, i did remind a few people what veil of summer does the grixis deck still you know not super great against that card but this card in particular does not interact with veil of summer in a favorable way for the veil of summer player which is a little bit different from previous grixis cards yeah yes uh definitely this is a black removal spell that does not target at any point at no chapter does it target i absolutely lost i think i lost a game playing a storm deck where i needed to get a card out of my hand and i'm like yeah they're probably not going to just like throw a removal spell at this lotus petal or something i can just safely play this out and then they played this card and i was like oh no for what it's worth i am not afraid of prismatic ending a lotus petal if they give me the target i got to make up that virtual card advantage somewhere but yeah getting it swept up for freezies in something that was going to get it anyway is is extra bad. All right. So end of the day, is Grixis Control a real metagame contender now, or is it just a deck that's playable and not embarrassing? I believe that there is now actually a triumvirate of control pillars again. There is Uro, and usually ends up in a Bant Shell, but we'll call it Uro, and then Jeskai, which... Well, I'll generally call uh, Jace to Fairy Pyroblast as like the, the core of the pillar. And then Hidetsugu consumes all. Those are three different things. And the Jeskai deck that came to popularity recently because it just farms four color Uro decks, that deck can probably never in its life beat a deck with Thoughtseize and Red Blast in it and a clock and removal. Uh, I would rather be on the Grixis side of that. Like we're we're kind of back in the the old days where the control metagame would sort of weave in and out of blue-white is the core, and then we splash blue-white-red to beat the core, and now I'm Grixis. I have Thoughtseize against your blue-white X deck. You don't have a fucking chance because Thoughtseize cracks open control mirrors like you wouldn't even believe. And then Uro showed up, made Thoughtseize and Red Blast all embarrassing, and there was only one control pillar for a long time. Now we're kind of back in like a space where you really have to decide, do I want to be soft to Grixis or do I want to be soft to Uro or do I want to be soft to Jeskai? And how am I going to build my sideboard with those things in mind like if, as a control deck? If there is a healthy rotating metagame where like your choices matter from week to week, like that's that's the sign of a, a format that's in an okay place, right? I, I love hearing that. Yeah, I love Uro. I love the Magic Card Uro. I went to bat for it as much as I could, like with whatever platform I had back when it was being discussed about being banned, like along with Oko and Dreadhorde Arcanus. And I think that card is completely appropriate for Legacy. I still do. I've won a lot of matches with Uro in my deck. I enjoy the play patterns, but I'm also glad that there are choices to be made in that space again. And I might make a different one now that it's available from time to time. All right. Do we have any final thoughts on this card or should we move on to our next topic? I'm good to move on. All right. So I took a day off on Monday just kind of to relax, just kind of a mental health day, walked around, played some video games. Halfway through the day, I get a text message saying like, 
new bands, and this totally caught me by surprise. So physically, what happened? What changed? I was also surprised. We didn't get any warning, right? It was just sort of like, what's up, gamers? These cards are banned now, effective immediately. Like, uh, it was March 7th, and it said effective on March 7th. Like, it, it, it all happened immediately, which I think they are experimenting with because every time they say like there will be bans next monday they will affect the following formats people complain like why don't you just do it now so i think they are just experimenting with the shotgun blast engaging community response but i loved it i was hype i dropped what i was doing to record yeah that it it's super cool like it doesn't affect me i get wanting lead time of if you let people know there will be bans next Monday, that basically gives them two weeks to figure out their life before their next tournament, like if their card is going to get banned. But doing it like this, like I imagine people were in the middle of leagues. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure they got to finish their league, but no, you were removed from the league and refunded and given any appropriate wow. prize. Wow. Okay. Well, so there we go. If you were two and one, you didn't get anything. But if you were three and one, they give you your play points plus prizes. Wow. GTFO. Okay. So what actually happened, Luris of the Dream Den was banned in Modern and Pioneer, and Galvanic Relay and Disciple of the Vault were banned in Pauper, and Expedition Map was unbanned in Pauper. Holy moly. Uh, why, don't, why don't we start with our, our boy Luris? <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. I've, been, I've just gotten an announcement from Bryant done via his facial expressions. I think he wants to talk about Galvanic Relay first. I would love to talk about Galvanic Relay. I've been so excited about recording today for this reason. We're finally here. So Galvanic Relay, a card near and dear to my heart. Ever since that card was spoiled, I've been hyped about it. I said, hey, mini minds desire. That's for me. I was even more excited that it was legal and pauper. So when Chatterstorm was banned, I was fighting for Galvanic Relay. I said, hey, I've tested the decks that are left in the format. The Weather of the Storm, Marauding Blight Priest deck, not good enough. And then we gained a new pinger with Crimson Vow, which helped it. But it still wasn't busted. And then with the latest set, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, we got Experimental Synthesizer. And... As mentioned in the articles with the banning, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That gave Galvan, or not Galvanic Relay, um, Deadly Dispute, a perfect card to sacrifice because they had been playing Chromatic Star or Chromatic Sphere, but those were really the only playable artifacts. Otherwise, you were stuck playing something like Icar Wellspring that was kind of crappy. So this card was literally perfect. It gave you Ancestral Recall plus one. It was so good. And in the article, you know, they said that's what it was. I had a few people message me instantaneously going like, well, you were wrong about Relay. I don't think it's actually the right way of looking about it. Like information changes and so can your views. Like experimental synthesizer was printed and all of a sudden this card was slightly too powerful. It was above the curve. It got banned. I'm fine with that. That said, and here's something that a lot of people may not agree with me about. I don't think enough time was given for people to adapt. And I'm not saying that the Popper format panel was wrong. I'm not saying that Kevin Verhey was wrong. But I thought, and I still believe this, that if people really tried to beat this card, they could have. And that's because when Experimental Synthesizer was printed, Phil, you're someone that plays a lot of the Boros decks in Popper. They all cut uh, Prismatic Strands, correct? Like, because it doesn't work with Synthesizer? 
Yep. Strands is by far the most difficult card for the relay deck to beat. They're a pinger deck. And once you remove half your deck from the game with Galvanic Relay, well, it's really tough to win after that. So Prismatic Strands is also a double time lock, but the red-white deck just cut that double time lock against the deck trying to ping you out with only red damage. So that was a little bit odd to me. And then people quit playing Weather the Storm, which is another card that deck really can't beat. So there's these two things that were pillars of the format four months ago that everyone just quit playing. And I thought that was really strange, and people had this really defeatist attitude of like, oh, I can never beat that deck anyway, rather than adapting trying to beat it. Like, the deck was also really weak to counterspells and discard. Like, the blue-black fairies deck ran it over. So I would have liked to see another month of people actually trying to beat it, but based on reactions of Reddit and Facebook groups and discords, people didn't want to try to beat it. They just wanted it gone. And I thought that was really strange, and I'm not sure if that's the mentality of a more casual format like Pauper, or if maybe my opinion's just wrong, and it just needed to go instantly. So I, I think there's a couple of things going on here. I think there is a card value arms race in Pauper going on right now, where everyone is essentially trying to out-synthesizer each other or out-ephemerate each other. And if you are going to play these cards that are very good against the Storm deck, but uh, mediocre to actively bad in these like arms races where you're trying to like balance and replay synthesizer and make sure you maximize your values so you can keep up with grinding your your opponents if you're having to do things to keep up with one deck and that deck might kill you before the strands comes online anyway that doesn't seem like a good thing to be doing to have your matchup percentage overall be in a good place like i i kept seeing screenshots of like turn two kills from the the storm deck that would have gone under a lot of the things that I would have played. Turn two is the nut draw. I mean, Galvanic Relay does uh, put all those cards on suspend. I mean, I played a lot of that deck. I have a video where I went 5-0 with it. You, you very rarely cast Relay on turn one. Uh, I would say a turn three actual win is a very, very strong draw. I think that deck wins on turn four most of the time. Not okay. that turn threes and twos can't happen. It's just those are not common i feel like the turn two screenshots are mostly just brags at least okay, in my got experience it. yeah my experience playing against the storm deck was kind of just misery uh like there there could be a like customer service aspect to the ban in addition to i mean the deck was obviously powerful and turn two is the nut draw but should a popper deck be capable of turn two is a question for the identity of the format i have a league going up it should be up by the time it's videos live where i i'm on like a blue black control deck and not fairies just counter spells removal draw cards control deck and the the relay storm deck went off like into my counter spell counter spell cast down snuff out where it's like okay i have four answers they only play four win conditions and they just easily beat me it was just like, I just fought through the ones they had. They failed and scanned themselves, relay. My hand's empty. They just go again on the next turn. And it took them like 10, 15 minutes to do it all. So there was kind of this like, okay, I have interaction. JK, it doesn't matter at all kind of moment. And like I was doing the things, like I was playing discard and counter spells, which are the things you said are good against the deck. And maybe it's just too good. Maybe it's miserable to feel like you're losing even though you feel like you're interacting and i don't know like i'm i'm not gonna miss it but i don't really have a 
a horse in this race other than popper being fun to play the deck's win percentage was also extremely high right like what was it was it like 60 percent or slightly north of that i think it was it was 60 percent. and i'm for we talk about data from challenges being 55 percent being the magic number or at least cited as the magic number in the past that said and I, I, maybe this is a wrong approach that i have but popper tends to be more casual like you run into a lot of super casual decks and leagues so i always take that with a grain of salt in my head but maybe that just doesn't matter i think that the popper panel adds a really interesting texture to this because they are human beings who play and care about popper they're not just looking at a spreadsheet of data once in a while when the twitter complaints get loud enough so maybe the maybe the voices of this entire swath of deck is unplayable right now are actually being heard like tortured existence engines they're never going to beat a deck like storm uh like bogles might un- bogle nutra might race it or uh like green stompy or you know there's just like this whole world of popper decks that are cool and interesting parts of the metagame that probably just don't have a snowball's chance against storm and i i think the the response of like play for weather the storm in your green stompy deck like that's a deck that doesn't want to tap out and or it, it wants to tap out every turn and weather the storm like even if you have it you then have to leave up two mana for every turn for the rest of the game and somehow try to apply pressure with your low land drop deck that is trying to tap out every turn and it just warps play patterns in a way that isn't super healthy sounding okay uh so i do agree with you that is not the natural play pattern of the green stompy deck i wasn't going to mention it but i also think that like so your approach against the storm deck was to go after their four wing conditions in the storm discords people openly talk about how that's been a trap that like people aren't getting around so maybe there's also like an information exchange where like a lot of people are like yeah you just counterspell their four win cons and then win but the people in the storm discord are always saying like oh no you definitely don't go after the win conditions you go after them at a weak point in their mana chain because the relay storm players often want to get up to storm 10 to relay but if you counterspelled that cabal ritual that was like spell number six it secretly would have shut them off relay and their entire turn was lost is it okay for in order you for you to be able to have a reasonable chance at beating the deck you have to have intimacy with the deck at that level for the super competitive players like some of us the answer might be like yes that is acceptable is it acceptable for an fnm player playing popper to not go like oh i countered spell two instead of spell seven and i lost because of it i i will say i am not in the popper storm discord I did not study the format. We all play a different deck every day for our channel uh, across different formats. I literally just queued up the deck I was sent and was like, let's jump in a queue in a league and just, oh, here's the storm deck I heard about. Let's figure out how this works on the fly. Like I didn't even actually know what the deck did other than relay. And I was vaguely aware that it just like pinged me with that flame creature at the other end, but wasn't sure how to get there. But I was doing all the things that a in advanced player of the format would do i was like keeping track of total floating mana i was like okay they revealed a seething song the second they put that on the stack without a red in their pool i'm hitting it because then they can't relay and like i was i was kind of dialed in on that angle and just didn't see a window Uh, maybe i missed a window maybe i didn't wasn't familiar enough but it, it felt like at all points their mana was unassailable at least the way that that one three game set shook out Okay, that's fair enough. And like I said, it's entirely possible it was too far above the curve. And I'm not feeling strongly about this. Like, my favorite Storm deck is Cycle Storm, and uh, they decided that was the level that was appropriate for the format, so 
kudos to me but i just think that people weren't possibly trying as hard as they could have i guess uh like phil mentioned not wanting to play the strands in the synthesizer deck uh, because it doesn't play to the arms race, but there wasn't even in the sideboards. Like they decided it wasn't good enough for the sideboards too. And I don't know, like maybe I'm just too old school where I don't want things banned. I'm done off the stool. Uh, yeah, this is a so long good riddance. I think for everyone except Brian Cook in the room. All right. So speaking of good riddance, why don't we talk about Lurus? This is a card that has already gotten the axe in a couple of different formats. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as Bryant pointed out to me earlier, this card, Luris of the Dream Den, not currently banned in Popper. Just throwing it out there. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Not on the <laughs> Popper ban list is what you mean to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I suppose that's that's the accurate way to word that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's let's just real quick run down the history of this thing. Um, obviously, Nutso busted in Vintage, pre-Arata, pre uh, just Black Lotus Luris, Black Lotus... <laughs> continue with the game was the most fucked up thing you could do card was better than ancestral recall and vintage for the time it was legal banned out of there first card ever banned out of vintage for power level reasons every other card that's banned is for dexterity reasons they use the restricted list to manage that Luris is the only card that's been banned for power level and it was banned legacy gone never to return modern and pioneer it stuck around this long uh, got unbanned with the companion nerf in vintage it is allowed there again still not in legacy and it was never really a problem in its time in standard. Luris decks were good, but there were lots of things to do. But it is now officially axed or has been axed in every non-rotating Eternal format. So what's up, Luris? The the joke <laughs> that I keep hearing uh, from the modern folks is 60 card decks are banned. And I think a lot of people are going to migrate towards attempting Yorian piles. Uh, spoilers, Yorian piles, money piles were already uh, relatively viable. And I've seen some initial like Obosh deck lists coming out as well. Or people just taking one of the really fucking good decks and playing the cards that they couldn't play before, like, say, Murktide Regent. Yeah, let me tell you about Grix's Shadow, a deck full of cheap spells and cheap threats that until recently couldn't put Murktide Regent in because there was something more powerful than Murktide Regent available. Holy guacamole. <laughs> That's how good Luris was. I, I will say maybe it's my feed is curated well or I follow people with smart opinions, but I did not see a single take of this is bad or this sucks or this didn't need to happen. I didn't see anyone say Grix's Shadow is dead. I didn't see anyone say Hammer Time is dead. Nobody anywhere on any of my social feeds said in any way anything is dead or anything is worse because Luris is gone. I saw some Hammer Time is dead posts and then they got eaten alive in the comments. I mean, Hammer Time can just play Cauldra complete now. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Like you maybe don't want Batter Skull, but Cauldra is really good. Three mana and above was unbanned from Modern. That's essentially what it did. Like I personally bought 16 copies of Teferi Time Raveler and I'm going to sit on them because that's one of those cards where in a month from now, it could be 80 tickets. Like if you look at the history of Teferi Time Raveler, it's just a wave. Like that card is going to rise again at some point and I'm going to sell out. Yeah, that one is a heater. Uh, I don't own many Magic cards on Magic Online anymore because I'm sponsored by Card Hoarder and I don't need them. But I do still have my setup to fairies from before I was sponsored. And I'm just like, yeah, this is cash money one day. Uh, that card has been close to like 80, 90 tickets in the past. Like it, it was one of those Insano ones, right? It yeah. was. So a big loser from the Luris band was Mishra's Bobble. That said, people were like, sell your bobbles, sell your bobbles. 
I think they forget it's super good with expressive iteration. So in modern and legacy, that's a reason to play it. It fuels your graveyard for Murktide region. Not that you want to Dragon Rage Channeler yeah, as well. Triggers yeah. Dragon's Rage Channeler, turns on Delirium. Uh Mishra's Bobble is never gonna be a bad card. I think that card, uh its demise was over exaggerated. It always is. And Grick's or various shadow decks have always played Bobble, even pre-Luris. Bobble was in all those decks. The green based shadow decks are always delirium based as well those decks play tarmogoyf it's it's an easy artifact in the graveyard mishra's bobble's not going anywhere y'all need to chill so one thing that i loved from these uh ban announcements and sorry to switch formats on us but the willingness to unban i love unbans and what the proper format panel saw was that tron after banning those artifacts was crippled so much that they wanted to throw it a bone in the unbanned expedition map and i like that experimentation within magic i like seeing the the ab tests that can happen because i think there's too many cards left on ban lists that honestly just aren't the appropriate power level anymore and i like that the popper format panel is playing with that that said i know that phil recorded a league with tron and that went live today i did check it out for a few minutes phil i'm sorry i didn't watch all of it but from what i saw was really good i faced round round one was the good round to be fair i think my de- i think my deck list was bad that that happens sometimes when you do donation deck lists but the tron shell itself is going to be impressive folks i feel confident in that like my my deck list that i played was questionable like it was a mono red tron list like that's not something that has been viable in popper in uh, five years or so i think but i did some absolutely disgusting things where i played a ton of self-assemblers into self-assemblers nice but what I was uh, thinking was, I got paired into a Tron player who natural Tron me just one, two, three. And then I started going off with Zuberas because I just recorded another Zuberas video. My first one that I was going to publish had triple relay storm in it. I was like, I think I'm just going to eat this video. I'm not going to publish it. And then I'll re-record. So I got paired into this Tron player who just ran, like, raged in chat about how my unplayable deck shouldn't beat them and how I could never beat any competitive decks. But... Do you think they'd be happy after getting Expedition Map, like being able to consistently get Tron and instead they're just like, no, you're the worst. I hate you and your stupid casual self. Whatever. Magic Online Salt, what are you going to do? Yeah, but like the Tron engine, honestly, like I'm a little worried about that and worried in the sense of I've played Popper long enough to know that Tron is completely nutso. Uh, Tron has been a tier a top tier deck in every standard format it's been legal in tron continues to remain a playable modern deck despite them printing tron into the dust like with just the cards they're printing right now like Beseju who endures obsidian charma the the whatever that sinkhole thing is cleansing in wildfire. modern horizons 2 like cleansing wildfire there's just so many playable main deck ways to interact with tron and keep opponents off Tron, yet it endures as a playable modern deck. Like uh, Tron is so powerful, and I've been around for the the like big X spell Tron. I've been around for Combo Tron, Flicker Tron. Uh, I played Tron Arc when we could, when we had uh, Arkham's Astrolabe in the format. I was just the Boros Monarch deck with the big X spell finish because like, you could do whatever you want with your colors at the time, like the boros monarch but tronarch and like i was really into that deck like i've seen how stupid tron is throughout many iterations and i hope this is a 
feel it out sort of unban and not a we're confident unban. Like I, I would like I like that they're playing around with it. I hope they're ready to pull it back if Tron becomes bullshit again. I I think I can say this with certainty. I don't think they'll let bullshit exist in the format. Like no, we have seen a a lot of changes that I have been very very happy with as a player and and content creator, and I love the life that has been injected into Popper. Like people are really excited to play this format for the most part. There's a little bit of gloom and doom, like oh no, this time they really killed Affinity, and then you no, see Affinity didn't. in the queues a bunch. Affinity's doing fine. I have seen some sick Affinity tech uh, in my first league. Like, I saw Trinket Mage for Experimental Synthesizer. Oh, my and... God. That's just, like, uh, Ancestor Recall, Snapcaster Mage, Ancestor Recall. It's the same thing. Let me tell you, I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And they had, like, uh, Glint Hawks in there as well to, like, scoop it back up. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, I've seen some really cool affinity stuff. Like, in sort of the, the build space of not even really an affinity deck anymore, but an artifact-fueled Grixis control deck. Between Thoughtcast, Deadly Dispute, and uh, the new one. Do you remember the name of that? Because I don't. Uh, uh, so Re Reckless something, bargain. maybe? Reckless Bargain. Reckless Bargain, is that it? Okay. Yeah, that, that deck has basically 12 one-mana draw twos, if it wants them. I guess one of them's actually a two-mana draw two, but you gain a bunch of life. Uh, so 12 playable divinations for one or two mana. And the real question is, what are you going to do with all that, all those cards? And I've played against a list recently where they had the uh, artifact dual land mana base, and then they had like Gear Seeker Serpent, and I saw Mirror Enforcers, but not like Frogmite or anything. And then they counterspelled, like actual counterspelled one of my things. And then they cast Gurmag Angler, and they were just a Grixis control deck piggybacking off this busted affinity card advantage engine and their mana base enables thought cast which is if i could put thought cast in legacy grixis control i would believe me <laughs> i would play that card like really cool innovation there and i like that they're clipping the the more bullshit parts of affinity like get rid of the atog get rid of the disciple of the vault i can see what the panel is doing and they're trying to keep affinity as a dynamic powerful deck without it being a combo deck I would like to see them unban Sojourner's Companion. They actually m mentioned it in the article that Gavin published about a card that they're looking at possibly unbanning. Because I think if Affinity's narrative or uh, outlook on the deck is it is a deck with a bunch of divinations and then two twos and four fours that cast for free, I think that's within the power level of the format. Especially if there isn't the Splinter Twin aspect of Atog Disciple or Atog Fling or Disciple plus another sack outlet. Once you remove those and Affinity just becomes Divinations and 4-4s, I think it's actually like something fair to fight against. I'm 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 gonna say something. I don't want any bans right now, okay? Like I'm very happy with where the format is at. I think if we end up at a point where one of the card advantage pieces leaves the format be it like deadly dispute or experimental synthesizer or something i think at that point it's pretty reasonable to talk about bringing back yield salamander yeah i would agree i would want to see one more card advantage piece go because the way that i've approached affin the affinity matchup for quite some time now is hit their payoffs which is apparently not the way you play against relay storm but against affinity it's actually viable 
where if I just keep a total of like eight counter spells or removal spells available over the course of a game, I can remove the eight things that they can kill me with. Though Blood Fountain completely messes with that math. Just two artifacts on turn one, card selection off the blood token, and then the actual Blood Fountain regrow two four fours in the mid game. I have had struggles with that as a control deck. Yeah, and that's where if you have incidental graveyard hate like attached to a land like a Bojuka Bog or a Relic of Progenitus or something like that, that can for sure help. Yep, love a Nile Spell Bomb, love a Bajuka Bog in that format. Let's pop them in um, the main. So I, I don't think we explicitly came out and said it in talking about Affinity, but like Disciple of the Vault is is gone. So that combo finish aspect of Affinity is no longer here. But as you can see by the conversation for the past 10 minutes, like Affinity still has plenty of angles of attack. It can be the beatdown, it can draw lots of cards, it can play this controlling game. And I think one of the big things for the coming weeks when you're playing against Affinity is you are going to have no idea what your opponent's exact like main deck configuration looks like because there's going to be so many options for a while. Like there's Metalcraft aggro creatures like Carapace Forager and uh, what is it, Ardent Recruit that you can play to be the beatdown. There's this Gurmag Angler build. There's Core Help Core. What's the green Skyfisher. creature? The Tarmogoyf? Skyfisher. Car- Carapace Forager. Okay. That's the essentially 4-4 four, four if you have Metalcraft. Yeah, there's a 3-3 three, three flyer if you have Metalcraft. There's the 3-3 the three, three on the ground if you have Metalcraft. There, there's a bunch of... That's how Affinity was built before people figured out a Togfling. Or maybe something else changed in the format. Uh, it might have been the Dual Lands. I don't know, but that was the... It was just 3-3 three, three and 4-4 four, four Tribal was the Affinity build for a very long time. I had a few people message me about Lurus Lotus Breach in Modern. They're like, is the deck dead? Which is always funny because I feel like despite having Lurus in the name, it was like one of the worst possible Lurus decks in the format. It's just like you didn't use your companion that often. And it, yeah, it was just free. And in my head, I'm just like, we get to play Ooze without feeling bad now. Like, you don't have to worry about your lures being shut off. You can just ooze people to death with a progenitor ooze. Slime time's back. I'm super excited. And I think that's just honestly how I feel about magic right now. Like, I'm I'm so excited to have shakeups in these these formats. I've kind of felt like recording modern has been a little bit of, dra- of a drag, if I'm being honest. I, I'm paid to play brews, and let me tell you, the brews were not keeping up with the lures decks. The competitive decks were hardly keeping up with the Lurus decks at that. Um, so I'm excited to kind of give Modern another shot and uh, really looking forward to seeing some sweet popper tech in the coming weeks. Yep. I recorded with five color devoted druid combo today and the league was a delight. I won a lot more than I lost. No spoilers. And nobody revealed a companion in the entire league. And it felt great. <laughs> it was a nice change of pace. I did see a hot take on Twitter that you should expect a lot more Gigantha moving forward. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if it will be accurate, but uh, Gigantha seems like a fairly free companion for a lot of decks if they want it. I mean, Gigantha, Kahira, Yorian, and Obash were all getting played anyway. Like, the Lurus ban doesn't really change decks that were already doing those things other than making them better because they don't have to compete with Lurus anymore. Like, companions are still very much part of modern it's just going to be a little more identifiable than people who just made their deck a Lurus deck because it's obviously correct. So uh, I, I think that companions are cool. I think the companion mechanic is cool. Just some of them landed outside of the bounds of reasonable magic cards to exist. But building an Obosh deck, for example, is fucking cool. And I hope that that gets to stick around. 
All right, why don't we go ahead and call it there, folks. I hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you again, or rather, you'll hear us again two weeks from now. Any closing thoughts? Join the Patreon. Shameless plug at the end. I love the energy. Have a great rest of the day, folks, and get out there and play some magic.